0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. So over the initial episodes, the beginning has evolved. Um, It seems that complicated introductions have become de rigueur. So I, uh, well, I'll tell you, you introduce me, Alan, if you can remember all the middle names.
1: Well, this is Thordis Maria Sophia (laughs) Fredriksson.
0: i am in cambridge sounds terribly posh you know well not as posh as alan edward herbert gray who is at (laughs) east Ruston old vicarage how is the vicarage today
1: the vicarage is lovely it's very humid it's quite overcast bright but overcast but very humid and earlier on i felt the odd drop of rain but i mean it's not raining at all It's, it's just the odd little drip that you get but then you get a lot of drips in this garden don't you
0: I couldn't possibly comment now no. <laughs> we've got again into a little bit of a, a regular occurrence of a mystery box appearing, a mystery guest. So on my imaginary drum roll, let's do a big reveal. Who's behind the mystery window? Hey. <laughs> it is actually, I'm going to have to get you to introduce yourself because I don't know your middle names, Bridget. Well, I've
2: only got one.
0: It's Bridget
2: Lisa Gerling. Not very exciting. Not like yours. You two have got very glamorous names.
1: I don't know. Your, your spelling of your name is very glamorous because it is Brigitte, not it Bridget. Is.
2: Lots of people like to call me Brigitte, and I tend not to correct them
0: because I quite like it. it makes me sound exotic. Yeah. yeah,
1: well, I'd <laughs> like it too if I was a girl.
0: <laughs> I think we need to work on some alliterations because we've already worked out that we've got Herbert the horticulturalist over here. Um, I'm kind of thinking maybe he should be Herbert the happy handsome horticulturalist, something like that. So we'll have to build yeah, up yeah. some kind of alliteration uh, for you. But you are uh, a great friend of ours, mostly because of your floral artistry. I feel like you're not just a flower arranger if there is such a thing as just a flower arranger, you work a very distinctive magic with flowers. But before we get into that and what you do now, tell us a bit about how you've arrived as Bridget Lisa Girling of Moss and Stone Floral Design. You're
2: so good, you've got such a good memory. Don't
0: ask me to repeat your middle names.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, well, where do I start? It's such a long story. Oh, let's not go for the long story. Um, I faffed about doing various things before I got into floral design. It was something I came to, it was over 12 years ago now, but I'd already been a teacher, had my children. They were growing up and leaving home. And I just got to that point where I thought, I've got to work out what I'm going to do next. And I wanted, always wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And I did psychology at university, but I decided I was a bit long in the tooth for doing a PhD and all that kind of stuff. So I'd just go and do floristry instead, like you do. I didn't tell anybody, I just went and did it. I told my husband, obviously, but. <laughs> and it was the best decision I ever made, really was. I mean, he said to me, what are you gonna do that for? If, if you're, why go and study it if you're not actually going to use it? And I just thought, what do you mean I'm not going to use it? You don't know I'm not going to use it. So I think I've almost done this to prove him wrong. <laughs>
0: So where did you study it? When you say you kind of went and did floristry, what was that journey?
2: Well, I went to Otley College, actually, to do um, city and guilds because, let's just say, I came to it slightly older. (laughs) I thought I probably should have a qualification just to show that I could do it, really. Um, It was an interesting course, let's put it that way. Let's just say there's, apart from the basics, there's not much about my city and guilds that I use today. <laughs> In fact, I think the original course that I was on, hopefully it's changed now, but the original course I was on, I would have failed everything with the style of luxury that I do now. <laughs> Actually,
1: it's nice to me a little bit, Bridges, if you sort of were kind of ahead of the curve, because... But the kind of floristry that you actually do, one sees with lots of other people today. I mean, uh, Willow Crossley, for one. um, She's quite an up-and-coming... Well, she's probably not up-and-coming now. She's probably up. (laughs) And, and, you know, lots of London uh, floral designers are actually doing what you do. And I know exactly what you mean because you're sort of saying in a very nice way that that the the things that you learnt at college are probably more... um, constant spry than anything else, if I may yeah. use that term. But
2: yeah, there was quite a lot of um, triangular stuff that went on. That's
1: exactly what I'm thinking of, yeah, you know, we, yeah, um, exactly that. It's a
2: bit formulaic, really. Um,
1: yeah, it is formulaic, and, and the other thing that I hate about it, about those kind of arrangements, and they still do it today in some of these places, they actually shove a gladiola in upside down, and so <laughs> when you're looking at, the gladioli's tip gradually turns up, and that looks ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yes, it was, anyway. uh, it was it was. Uh, I learned a lot. I rejected eighty percent of it. <laughs> but I think <laughs> you kind of, you kind of uh, coming at it slightly later. I think it was really useful to learn the basics and some of the rules because once yeah. you know
1: the rules,
2: you know how to break them, which is
1: well exactly. And I think one of the one of the rules. One of the rules that I would find most interesting is how to condition flowers from, from the point you cut them in the garden to putting them into a vase. I think that's one of the most important things because some plants wilt um, mm. and there are various ways to counteract that, which I find fascinating. And that's yeah. some of the, that's a bit of the essential knowledge that you need.
2: Exactly. I think, I think that's it. There's the essential knowledge that you can't do away with. And then after that, it really is... I mean, I, I consider what I do to be, um, this is gonna sound really pretentious. I've maybe said it to you before. I consider it more art than floristry now. I tend not to call myself a florist. I call myself a
1: florist. Well, each, each, each thing that you do probably is unique and that's the mark of an artist as opposed to going down the formulaic um, lane, as you just said. Yes, so I think
2: and I kind of consider the, the seasons in the garden my palette. So that's changing all of the time and mm. and I'm led by that um, rather than thinking what would I like to design today and just choosing from Holland ingredients, yeah. I go mm. into the garden and see what's there and then use that in a way that just well they kind of tell you where they want to go really.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah, think, no, I understand.
2: I, think, I suppose I do. <laughs>
1: So I'm not saying you're mad or anything, Bridget, but I'm, I'm just saying, let the flowers speak to you.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm very keen to hear more about your style, but, but, oh, oh. Oh, oh, look, beautiful flowers. I want to hear all about your style, but you mentioned the secrets of conditioning flowers when you cut them from the garden. And before we go any further, I feel like we need to delve into briefly the secrets of getting the most out of flowers, if either of you can can share that, because I'm dying to know. <laughs> The first thing is to make sure you're picking your flowers that you're going
2: to use either very late at the end of the day or very early in the morning, ideally early in the morning, which isn't everybody's cup of tea, I know. But then they've had all night to rehydrate, become turgid again. If you try to do it like today in the middle of the day, forget it. It's just they're they're going to flop. They just can't cope. And you need to take a bucket of water with you and you cut and you put them straight into the water trying to sort of waft about with a lovely bunch of flowers spending half an hour picking and then coming in and thinking they're going to be fine (laughs) doesn't really work (laughs) and the next thing is to make sure you actually rest them for a really good long time again ideally overnight somewhere cool and dark so they can just gather their wits again you know they can they do like to be well hydrated and if you want them to work for you give them a good long drink, basically. So that's the, that's the simple conditioning, and taking all of their leaves off, fresh cuts with super sharp scissors, so if you just squash the stems with blunt scissors, that's not gonna help either. I mean, there's, there's a lot I could tell you, but the basics are, go out with a bucket, do it early in the morning, sharp scissors, and leave them somewhere cool to rest before you try and use them.
0: And I suppose part of the joy is finding out what kind of vase life you get out of what plant, because some, even if you treat them really well, just aren't going to last very well in a vase. They might be a fleeting pleasure. And others, I'm staggered by how well they'll last in the house. So you have brought show and tell to the party. What have you got in your, your vase? What are your real showstoppers at the moment? Well, I saw Ian had got his show
2: and tell. I thought, I'm not having that. I'm going to bring mine too. <laughs> So I actually made it into a bouquet for you. Let me get it out of the water. Oh! So, I've got my Phlox creme brulee. Happy, happy little flocks. Some really, th- these are your colours. I thought. Yes. <laughs> I thought I won't go for my muted pastels. I'll go for thordis and elm. <laughs> so I've got really bright sweet pea here. Don't ask me the name of it, I've got no idea. I'm absolutely hopeless at keeping labels and keeping oh. records. And every year I think I'm going to improve, but I don't. Rebecca, I mean, look at those little guys. Just the prettiest little teddy bear noses. Loads of dahlias. Um, Cosmos. Uh, the Californian Poppy, which I know you are. Oh
0: yeah. yeah. Calendula. Achillea, everything, like a chocolate box of flowers. (laughs) What's amazing is, and from here, particularly on the screen, um, for me, I can't completely work out, but it looks like some of that might be a bit of Rebecca Sahara or something, maybe a kind of calendula buff beauty. What you've got? when I'm going through a seed list are all the things I buy and all the dahlia tubers I want to get, like Linda's baby and things like that. I'm kind of trying to spot, they all look very, very familiar. Yes. I, th- yeah, you're right. You,
2: you've you've named quite a few of my uh, favourites, uh, I have to say. That's very good because I can't even remember the name and I bought them and sowed them and put them in the ground.
0: <laughs> it's actually amazing. I think when you wanted to grow something, and it didn't necessarily grow for you, I think you remember it even better because it's still there on the (laughs) wish list. (laughs) You're left, you're poised, you're in waiting. I mean, that is a wonderful, natural, thrown together bouquet. Though actually, if people look at that and haven't been through your Instagram feed, that is even kind of less ephemeral than what you might design in one of your fabulous sort of displays that, that make up your Instagram.
2: Yes, you're right, because I haven't got very many dancy bits in this because I just thought I'm going to pick all my bright dahlias because they'll love them. <laughs> I wasn't really worrying about my little dancey bits, but the, the way I make it more ephemeral is to have those really floaty bits that sit above everything, like the chocolate cosmos that come in like little butterflies and dance over the top and um, the, the smaller... Uh, whatever is it called cosmos not lemonade apricot lemonade i've grown that for the first time this year. that's so beautiful but it's it's a smaller flower or is in my garden and um so that's nice and floaty too and my favorite at the moment is a little coreopsis that has got oh if only i could remember the name I will remember the name. I will remember the name. It will come to me if necessary. I'm going to look on my phone when you're not talking to me. (laughs) And it's got these little sort of painty streaks of raspberry going through on a white background. And some of the plants are just white, but there's one particular plant that's just throwing up all sorts of slightly different streaks and spots. And oh, it's just beautiful. So that's what I'm looking for to float through things. Really, have you got the pink jip? No, I haven't. I haven't got that this year. I have grown it, but I haven't got it this year. But that's beautiful, isn't it? That's so wafty
0: and gorgeous. It's not like ordinary jip at all. (laughs) I grew it as my Bridget plant. Um, I I saw it in the catalogue and I thought that it's a Brigitte plant. So um, I've got it. I haven't got many. I've got one on my patio with these tiny little pink starry flowers, which are almost impossible for me to photograph because they never seem to come into focus. They're so dinky, so diminutive, but as Alan might call them, diminutive darlings. They are darlings.
1: <laughs> Brigitte, have you grown the, the grass called Frosted Explosion? It has just these heads of long sort of tubular flowers with a little dot on the end of it. It's absolutely fantastic. It's terribly easy. Once you've had it in the garden, you'll never, never be without it. It sort of seeds into the most amazing places. But it, it came to me as a, as, as part of a, an arrangement that somebody sent me. And I thought, oh, this is good. I've got to find out what this is. And like, you know, a lot of garden flowers, they come to us through the cut flower trade, like Amimagus and Amivisnaga. Um, and of course, what's the other one uh, that we grow as a hardy annual? White lacy flowers. Oh,
0: Olea
1: oh, uh, no, oh, yes, or Olea grandiflora. Yes. Yeah, um, but this carex Frosted explosion is something for you to try. I think I think you'll like it.
2: I have had it, and you're right. It does like to keep popping up,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is if really. You forget, good. If you forget it, that, that it doesn't matter, then does it? No,
2: and it dries beautifully as well. If you if you oh, pick it, it, hanging it upside down, yes, it dries. So it's something yeah. you can use winter as well which is lovely.
1: This is Bridget's tip of the week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's worth trying to dry anything actually and just if you've Mm. got the space and the
0: time and the inclination. (laughs)
1: Inclination is a good start isn't it? It's a good start.
0: (laughs) I find it really exciting how certain Uh, Seed catalogues companies like Chilton are really prioritising, telling you whether things are good for drying, because I'm an absolute sucker for a dried bunch of flowers. I mean, what's not to like? You grow it and then it lasts for ages. We're always looking for vase life. while these will last, you know, almost forever. And so last year...
1: I have a feeling, Thunder, that that drying flowers is going to become uh, another fashion again. And I mean, it was the fashion 30 years ago, maybe longer than that. Um, But it was... Bridget says they were arranged in baskets and in a very formulaic way um, and people spent £50 pounds on a basket of flowers. And you're quite right, they had them for at least six months. In fact, I know somebody who should know better who had them for six years, but that's neither here nor there. They went ter- They got, became terribly faded and rather dusty, to um, <laughs> the least. Uh, but no, I think there's, there's new ways of doing everything. I mean, fashion changes. The, the theme comes around, but it, we use the materials in a different way and i think that's what's happening with the, with the dried materials
0: Um, Helichrysums, I think everyone should grow helichrysums. Um, I'm sure you grow lots of helichrysums, Bridget. Um, I think everyone, they're so easy, they they germinate really well. They grow as lovely, strong plants. And as long as you cut them before they're fully opened, they dry amazingly easily. And the only thing is their stems are a little bit delicate. But the the helichrysum salmon rose, I know everyone's kind of been crazy about that um, for a few years with good reason, because it's a stunner.
1: Well, there was an, a very important piece of information came through on that little statement, Thunder, and that is you cut them before they're fully open. Otherwise, they spill the middles out and they regurgitate stuff everywhere. It looks horrible. The other thing that you just mentioned is their stems are um, slightly fragile. Well, you can you can mitigate that by using a thin piece of florist wire, which you can get in various lengths, and you push it up through the middle of the flower. You turn the end over like a hook. You draw it back and then very gently wind the stem, wind the wire around the stem, making it have a naturopathic false stem.
2: Did you go on my course, Alan? No. That is the top tip, that's exactly right.
0: (laughs) And uh, I know actually I was messaging Bridget this morning, asking about a, a flower that, oh, look at that, is that a helichrysum? Yes. I mean, it's drying on my
2: kitchen table, so it's like that. <laughs> I should really do it like this. <laughs> but it's lying flat. But I did pick it, as you can see, I picked it when it's still quite closed. And it will start to open, but hopefully it won't open as far as
0: the yellow centre. So yeah. the question is picking at just the right moment. I'd messaged Bridget this morning because I'm experimenting with this little helipterum, um, helipterum roseum piero, I think it's called. And so I'd messaged Bridget. like
1: a little pink straw flower, flower, is it?
0: Well, this one, yeah, this one's a white one. There we go. Um, <laughs> which I'd asked Bridget about because I'm not, I've never grown it before. And I just wasn't sure... How to dry it because it seems to open very quickly. So, if it was supposed to be cut before it opened, I didn't know I'd missed the moment. I didn't know if I was ever going to be quick enough to get it. But you've been experimenting so far, Bridget, you think you can just cut it open.
2: Yes, I've, I've cut it when it's completely open and it's absolutely fine. But the first one I cut was probably only about 10 days ago. So, but it would have exploded by now if it was going to, and it stayed exactly the same. So, I think. Just once it's fully open, pick it and enjoy it.
0: While we've got you uh, on, on the podcast, Bridget, I feel like, especially with the big vase of dailies next to you, and I know you've qualified by saying you can never remember the names, but do you have top star stunner dailies that you would like to share? Uh, yes. I absolutely love preference. And it's a...
2: Apricoty, slightly spiky one, but it's quite soft in its colour, as, as you would guess from me. That's really, really beautiful, and I've got these little um, tiny. Uh, Little balls, they're little white balls, ball ones, but, but they're really small, they're like little golf balls, in fact they're smaller than little golf balls, and sometimes they have an almost blush to them, and I've had that particular tuber for so long there's not a chance I'll ever find the label ever again, three puppies later, or however long, um, but that's, a, that's another winner, because it's small I can use it in all sorts of things, and it's just got that, it's, it's like a dirty white, very appropriate for this programme. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so appropriate. It's not white, it's dirty white. <laughs> Alan, I know that you're the a, a I huge. Just say
1: one thing before you finish. Where there's muck, there's brass.
0: <laughs> Alan, you've got so many dahlias. I mean, you've got a whole. Border of dahlias that stretches for, I don't know, metre upon metre upon metre at East Ruston Old Vicarage, and then, you know, many dahlias beside that in your walled garden, in pots, everywhere you turn. Uh, out of all of those, what would be your standout stunners?
1: Well, <clears throat> I've got three. Um, two are named. Um, <clears throat> the first one is Walsing Matilda which is a kind of decorative one. And Bridget will know this, Um, but the thing I like about it is when it first opens, it's a very vibrant coral red, but as the season progresses and the, I think the nights get longer, it could be due to to, uh, day length. And it also could be due to temperature, but it starts to pale up a little bit and it gets kind of beige streaks in it. And that's when I like it best. So that's Walsing Matilda. And the other one is a Colorette variety called Chimborazo. Um, and chimborazo has the most dark, almost maroon outer petals. And then around the center, it has a ring of kind of filament, stamen type things that are like a little frill of a, of a good deep yellow. And that is a lovely one. And my third one isn't, doesn't have a name. It's one that I raised from seed and I'm not sure whether I'll keep it or not yet. But again, it's a colorette. And it's very dark red, not quite as dark as Chimboraza, but very dark red. And the filaments around the middle are red and white. Um, And this very dark red and white its almost like a maroon red. And I want to see, I want to grow that on and put it in the garden next year. So it's in a pot in the greenhouse at the moment, showing off wickedly, which I love. And, And I'm going to put it in the garden next year and just trial it and see how it grows under normal conditions. And if it does well, well, we'll keep it.
0: Do you know what you two have just given me a whole lot of floral FOMO, fear of missing out on a fabulous plant, which is a feature I I want to introduce to this podcast because I feel like my whole life is just one extended episode of floral FOMO. I go through Instagram and magazines, um, people's gardens, just an ever-growing wish list of plants. Um, currently. And I'm gonna go first this time, because last time I was the final floral FOMO and Alan started talking about a cabbage tree, which just left mine so insignificant in comparison. So I'm going first. And mine is something I am certain you're growing, Bridget, because I've seen it on your Instagram feed and it's that amazing poppy, amazing (laughs) grey. Oh my goodness. Yes, Alan needs it as well. (laughs) (laughs) it's having a moment everybody seems to be growing it and so I see the pictures all the time and obviously I had as much of an opportunity to buy the seed as everybody else but for some reason I stopped myself before I clicked purchase on that particular seed packet and now I'm just kicking myself because uh, it just some plants they get a big build-up and they don't live up to the you know this reputation but as far as I can tell it, it really does bridge it it
2: really is absolutely exquisite, and I'm rather hoping it's going to sell seed as well. Well, it should do, it's a poppy. Um, but I don't know exactly how it will come back, of course, so I will be buying more seeds. <laughs> but each one is just a slightly different shade, and some of them are singles, and some of them are more ruffled, and some of them are so intense you can hardly even see inside. But like all poppies, the, the bees are just crazy for it, And when it opens up on on day one, all the little stamens are gold. I mean, shimmering gold. And you kind of know when it's been open for a little while because the bees have done something to it, ruffled it all up and got it all over their bodies, and it goes duller. But they are just fabulous. And actually, they last really well in the vase. But what you have to do is special conditioning with those. So you have to pick them and put them into boiling water, literally boiling water, for about 10 seconds, and then plunge them into cold water, and then they'll be fine for days.
1: Can I ask one thing? Can you tell me why you do that?
2: It just makes them last longer, because otherwise they just drop their petals so quickly.
1: Yeah, but do you know why?
2: Oh, is is it to seal the bottom and get the airlock?
1: Yes. It's to seal the bottom because they exude that milky sap. Yes. And if, they, if, if, if that's allowed to happen, it would help the water to decay as well, that you put them into. Um, but there's one thing you haven't told us, Bridget. What colour is it?
2: Well, it's not really grey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a cheat on the idea of grey. It's, it's It goes from a, a soft lilac to quite an in, intense, deeper... Purple is the wrong word, and it's definitely not Cadbury purple,
1: but... I, I, I think I would, going with the theme of the, of the podcast, I would call it Dirty Lilac.
2: It's definitely Dirty Lilac.
1: <laughs> it's a dirty colour, isn't it? It, is. it really is. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but at the moment, they seem to come up slightly pinker. It's just interesting how as the plants are getting slightly older, the colour is changing, and they're fading, and yeah. they're just beautiful. And they're still pumping out flowers. It's incredible. I,
0: I haven't yeah. seen one in real life, but on the pictures, they always look a bit like they have uh, storm cloud shades about them. That is the perfect description. <laughs> That's exactly
2: what they're like. <laughs> that is exactly what they're like. What can I they say? I've spent them. a
0: long time looking at pictures of these flowers. <laughs> Yeah, no, you see, you,
1: Thunder, you t- t- touched on a note there because I'm sitting here and I've, ever since you started talking about this grey poppy I'm immediately thinking, I won't like it I won't like it I can't like anything that is so dull and immediately then you said storm clouds and what do you get when the sun comes through storm clouds? You get those fabulous shafts of yellow and apricot and apricot pink that's what it needs to cheer it up
0: Yeah, well I look forward In to a- seeing that at East Rusty it- Vicarage <laughs> I see a planting plan coming together
1: well yeah, we don't do dull though
0: <laughs> I feel like Bridget as our guest I should allow you to go next on the floral FOMO spot
2: well it is probably going to be very dull compared to what Alan's going to come up with so thank you <laughs> and I've got banks of it but I really really want and I'm not going to be able to pronounce it correctly echinacea Pallida, p-
1: p- pallida, pallida. Palida,
2: Pallida. Pallida. Pallida.
1: Pallida. L-I-D-A.
2: Yes. Yeah, pallida. And it's got little reflexed petals. Little it's not drooping hot. petals. Yes, drooping petals. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a bit sad.
1: <laughs> yes, I suppose but, it does. In actually, in fact, it's a good one to get because it's quite a hardy one that comes back reliably. Lots of the um, echinaceas don't come back terribly well because where they come from, the American prairie lands, they, they they have sharp frost and heavy snow and all the rest of it. But in those prairie lands, summer gives way to winter and everything goes to sleep under a soft blanket of snow. and. and stays dry. In this country, we, our winters are much wetter and we get the cold and the wet, which is what they don't like. In America, when the spring comes, it comes and it, spring is there for one day when the ice melts and summer starts the next day. And that's what they love. They, they don't like anything in between. So that's why they're not quite so hardy in this country as they are in their native homeland.
2: I didn't know that. <laughs> that's a really, really interesting explanation of why some things Mm. you you think well we have very similar conditions in that we have summers and winters so why isn't it working but that really explains it
1: yeah that's that's that is the reason I mean that's that's frequent you know when people go abroad and they see something growing abroad and I'd love to have that in the garden I mean bougainvillea if you go to the continent I suppose is something that people like to think they'll have in their garden they can't because our winters are too cold but I'm just wondering if one day we might get there because um, as you know, last year, winter was a bit of a non-event.
0: So I've done the, the, the poppy, uh, Amazing Grey. You've gone for an echinacea. I, uh, well, I absolutely love echinaceas. I don't dare try them in this garden because they've always hated me historically and I'm fairly certain they'll hate my clay. So one day maybe I'll risk it for a biscuit, but so far I haven't. Alan Grey, you always like to throw us a curveball on floral FOMO, so what is it today?
1: There's another one coming up. Now you've heard of A to Z. Well, I'm going from Z to A and this is courtesy of of Brian Ellis, who sent this wonderful photograph last week. Um, And it is zigodinus. Hang on just a minute. Where's the spectacles? Sorry. Zigadenus elegans, which is, and the taxonomists have now renamed it. So they've called it Anticlea elegans. So it's gone from Z to A. Um, And it's a member of the Trillium family. It has, Um, Sword shaped sort of leaves and it's not very interesting when it's just in leaf, but it has these vast heads of sort of pinky whitey grey flowers going with the theme of the grey puppy. Um, And it is a very interesting plant. Um, Brian has got one growing in his garden and he said if I can grow it can't be that difficult, don't you believe it because he grows some very interesting things which are difficult. Um, But I emailed him this morning about something else. I won't tell you what it's about, but it was snowdrops. Anyway, um, <laughs> about snowdrop. And I mentioned this um, picture of this, Sigurdinus, or whatever you call it now. Um, and he said, I'll give you a piece up because it's bulbarous, because it's, re- it's related to trilliums. And trilliums are those lovely sort of things. Again, they come from uh, North America. Um, and again, they are woodlanders, which um, is lo- rather lovely. So, um, But this um, zigodinus likes to grow in full sun, unlike woodland. So it wants to grow in light soil in full sun. I suspect there is a modicum of uh, slightly tenderishness about them, um, but it'd be just lovely to have it. I've managed to buy one little plant. I went online this morning to look at it and I managed to buy one little plant. Well, I mean, if you, if you go online, the plant costs you £2.39. You're not going to get much, are you? <laughs> anyway, I've got one little plant and I told Brian this and he said, well, when you come over to pick up your snowdrops, which is a variety called Nero, um, I'll dig you a piece of my zigudiness up. So there we are. And that's my floral fomo
0: and this is what always happens bridget is everybody else has a plant that they want to get and because alan has you know 30 acres his floral fomo was normally a plant that he found wanted and now is getting
1: (laughs) Um, the the other thing is we were mentioning fuchsias the other day and we mentioned this little dwarf fuchsia magellanica well, one of those arrived today as well. And it—it it I'll tell you what is rather lovely about it is the fact that we couldn't pay online because the, the um, payment connections were all down. And so we just said, well, you'd like one when your payment is done. He said, oh, well, I'll emboss you later. And he sent it and it arrived beautifully packed in a box this morning. So we now have that diminu- another diminutive little darling, Infusia, Milad... <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Tiny one, mini, miniature. I'm going to put it in one of my troughs because I think it would be lovely. It's the right scale for putting in a trough. It would be lovely there.
0: And this has given me just a small sense of triumph because I've currently got it flowering on my patio, which means that I had it briefly when you didn't.
1: No, <laughs> come, come here. Come, come to the quarter three. Na, 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 na. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're going to run out of time again. This happens every time. We just chat endlessly you know for half an hour and then before you know it the stopwatches is is winding down and we're going to run out of time so can we can we catch up with you again soon bridget because i just love talking about flowers with you yes please (laughs) and just before we go quick plug for your school your new floral design school oh yes yes moss
2: and stone flower school i was trying to think what it was there flower school yeah i'm going to be launching my first course at the end of august
1: Are you doing it online, Bridget?
2: Yes, they're online, online courses.
1: Would you like to give a little plug to what it is?
2: Well, uh, yes, I would, I'd love to. It is going to be summer in my garden. So it's the three months of summer, which is why it's not till the end of August, because I haven't filmed August yet. (laughs) For each month, you get to see me make a bouquet, a table arrangement and something larger And a walk around my garden and a pick around my garden and I have lots of um, PDFs explaining how I do things as well. Flower lists. It's going to be hopefully very useful to people who want to use their flowers from their garden or are interested in doing that.
0: Well, let's catch back up when it's launching and we can hear more about it when we've got a bit more time so we can delve into the details. Summer in your garden sounds like bliss. Thank you for your time. Thank you for another absolutely riotous Talking Dirty. Um, Have a lovely time in the garden and see you soon. Bye. (laughs) Hey, Thordys here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.